Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Amsterdam says it's time to rein in some of the party atmosphere the city is famous for. And complaints about refunds by airlines to consumers is 10 times what it was before COVID. With so many people traveling and the hospitality industry still short of help, tempers flare often. We have an idea. Try a little kindness. We have some suggestions in our Smarter Traveler segment at 320. April is down-to-earth month for California wineries. The Lodi Wine Festival kicked it all off yesterday. We'll tell you a little about some of the special events at 335. Mark has spent the week on the road in two uniquely different places. He'll fill us in on Cheyenne and Honolulu and share some travel tips for both at 345. Welcome to Sacramento's only show dedicated to travel and helping you be smarter when you hit the road. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys. Tom Romano and Mark Hoffman with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Good to, good to hear from you, Mark. You have been all over the place uh, over the last week, and uh, right now I understand you're uh, basking in the beautiful sunshine of Honolulu. Uh, yeah, almost. Um, it's cloudy right now, but <laughs> I am at the... I am at the gorgeous and magnificent Best Western at the Honolulu Airport, which is where you stay when you get in late and you have a tour group to meet um, the next morning. A bunch of sports leisure travelers are coming <laughs> over from Hilo in a little bit, and uh, we are. Go- I'm here to show them a little bit of Honolulu for the next few days. Outstanding, outstanding. Uh, well, with all the packing and unpacking that you've done over the last week, was there any any highlights? Was there anything that you you meant to bring that you just like totally forgot and you wish you had? Yeah, two more suitcases full of warm clothes for Cheyenne. <laughs> um, on on Wednesday in Cheyenne, uh, the temperature at one point was thirty two degrees, but the wind was blowing with gusts to fifty five miles an hour. So the, with the wind chill, the temperature was sixteen, and I don't believe it was that warm outside. Um, at all, but uh, Cheyenne is out on the plains there, so beautiful little town. We're going to talk a little bit more about it later in the in the program. But man, it the when the wind whips across the plains there in in Wyoming, there is nothing really like it. Wow, wow. Okay, <laughs> little uh, contrast in uh, uh, in weather with your two different uh, locations for sure. All right, we'll be looking yep. forward to talking more about that a little later on in the program. Right now, at the top of Every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. Well, and the headline says, Amsterdam wants drunken tourists to stop visiting. Um, Indeed, Amsterdam, a city in Europe which has long been famous for its red light district, uh, where people can smoke their weed and visit the red light establishments and make public spectacles of themselves. The folks of Amsterdam apparently have gotten just a little bit tired of it. They are particularly after British tourists um, and are actually running a commercial 
um, which is uh, which shows a rowdy, drunken tourist uh, being late in the commercial, being arrested, handcuffed, and booked by the police. Wow. So, um, yeah. Um, also, there's a, another little controversial thing. Uh, the latest move from, from Amsterdam is that they're seeking to perhaps change the location of the red light district. In other words, the bordellos that are in the center of town there um, are open until 6 a.m., and uh, it creates kind of a, a, a pretty drunken and rowdy atmosphere after the bars close. And so Amsterdam is considering moving part of that, not getting rid of it, but moving it to a slightly different area so that the, the drunks and the prospective customers of the bordellos would be separated, I guess, sort of, um, you know, anyways. Uh, interesting story from Travel Pulse. Did Las Vegas hotels conspire to raise rates. Um, Two tourists have filed a lawsuit against uh, some of the largest hotels in Las Vegas, accusing them of conspiring to keep room rates artificially high. That's, I find that to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, uh, it'd be curious to know what they base that on. I mean, just a general observation or they got insider information or what? Well, no, they, they, the hotel operators, the lawsuit alleges, used a revenue management software to engage in the scheme. So this is something more than just your typical person going online and trying to, to book a hotel. Um, apparently, this uh, software is used by about 90% of the Las Vegas Strip hotels. It collects real-time pricing and supply information from competitors and provides room recommendations designed to maximize profits. So in other words, the casino operators in Las Vegas are sharing a software platform that allows them to know how much availability there is in town, not only at their own hotel, but at their competitors' hotels. So imagine what that does to pricing. If you know that your competitors are running out of rooms then probably that changes the way that you look at pricing. So a couple of consumers, uh, it doesn't, this article doesn't tell me, but I'm guessing these consumers are not your typical average consumers, but uh, they have filed a suit against the Las Vegas hotels, uh, accusing them of conspiring to keep prices high. And at least on the surface, two sides to every story, sounds sort of like it might be possible. Yipers. Well, well, you know, uh, based on my experience of uh, booking hotels in Las Vegas, there's there's mainly it's kind of like the car the the car rental places. There's two major companies that mm-hmm. own the majority of all of the big casinos. Then there's a few small independents along the way, but you call one line and and if you want to price compare, uh, the gal or, or the guy on the phone has access to. Uh, you know, a dozen or more hotels that are all part of that company, and they can help yep. you pick a price range that suits you and which ones have specials and so forth. So if you have access uh, pretty easily to just those two uh, and that software, you, it would be very easy to see exactly where where all the money's going and, and be able to uh, fix the rates pretty easily. My suggestion, if you're going to Vegas, consider staying downtown. 
yeah. the Golden Nugget and some mm-hmm. of the other properties downtown aren't as big or as flashy. They're a lot less expensive. They don't have the resort fees are not nearly as ridiculous. Um, you can walk from one property to another. And if you're going to see a big name show out on a strip, um, you can take a taxi or an Uber and the savings and the different atmosphere. I, I just think that the downtown atmosphere is a lot better than the strip atmosphere. The prices are considerably different for rooms and for food and things like that. So anyway, just if you're going to Las Vegas, something to think about uh, next time is compare the prices downtown to the prices on the strip. You might have a pleasant surprise there. United Airlines is pledging $15 million for sustainable aviation fuel technology in a public relations press release they sent out last week. And speaking of airlines and public relations press releases, Southwest Airlines, now infamous for their meltdown of their entire system over Christmas last year, um, is making a small admission, perhaps, that it needs to change. It has hired a new weather company. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know if this weather company is capable of changing the weather, but uh, nonetheless, um, Southwest is going with a new weather company. They say that um, th- this company can provide them with forecasts that allows them to be able to have things like de-icing fluid capacity at key network locations and things like that. So you would think that they probably would have thought of these items beforehand, but it appears perhaps not. But at least they're taking a step in the right direction. And in the, so along the same subject line, you may have noticed if you travel a lot that recently... Flights are arriving early more often than they used to, and there's a reason for that. Airlines are padding their schedules. Um, Southwest is doing it the most. They're padding, adding about 13% to their flight times. Hawaiian Airlines does it the least, probably because their inner island flights over here in Hawaii are very, are pretty predictable time-wise, so they only add about 5%. Um, to there, but you're, what you're seeing a lot of is a flight is posted on the board at two and a half hours. It only takes two hours and, and 15 minutes to get there. The airline looks like a hero when it gets you there early. It's a good thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, for people who have connecting flights in hub airports, it allows them that little extra margin, gives the airline a little bit of time just in case you know something unusual happens. You sit on the tarmac for 10 or 15 minutes after you land before you can get to a gate or something like that. So no coincidence, I don't think, that since this schedule padding started last fall, um, even with all of the holiday problems, the number of people who are missing flights has dropped by about, connecting flights has dropped by about 20%. So um, you will probably notice this. Southwest used to be infamous, Tom, for turning a plane in, oh, 30, 35 minutes. That was pretty common for them. Mm-hmm. Now you'll notice on Southwest schedules that um, when a plane comes in, it's not scheduled to go out again for 50 minutes to an hour, which is probably five minutes shorter than their competition. But I, I think it's an admission that, Here's the problem. When everything's perfect and you can roll right along, that's great. But if something happens, you run into bad weather in a region of the country early in the day, and you've got those tight turnaround times, your flights are going to be late all over the country the whole rest of the day, and the thing is just going to cascade on itself. So I think Southwest is learning that maybe adding a little extra time in might not be a bad idea. Okay, a couple of other quick things here. Uh, Airline complaints, according to a new data analysis from the U.S. P. 
P-I-R-G Education Fund. Haven't heard of these folks before. I have to look this up and see what I can find out more about them. But the data shows that the number of people who flew U.S. airlines in 2022 remains slightly below uh, pre-pandemic levels. But complaints about air travel have quadrupled. We've reported on numbers like this before on the program. The uh, biggest gripe among travelers from last year, the lack of refunds from airlines for the first 11 months of the year. Um, The good news is the number of refund complaints is down from 2021. The bad news is that it's 10 times higher than in 2019. So the airlines are still struggling to, they may be back in the sky and the number of people traveling may be back up to what it was, but the airlines are still struggling with with customer service and customer relations in a lot of places. And finally, uh, Mexico is making some real efforts to let people know that they believe their country is safe, that most people who come down there from the United States don't have any issues. Uh, I think we'll spend a little bit more time on this uh, in a future program. Uh, Google reports that in the week following the incident where a couple of Americans were killed, Um, down just across the Texas border, that the number of searches for travel ideas to Mexico declined by 75%. So U.S. citizens spend a lot of money in Mexico. Tourism is big business for that country. So you can expect that you're going to see a lot more of this. I don't know if it's just window dressing or if maybe some actual things will happen that will make people a little safer in Mexico. But at least for right now, it's something that appears as though both sides, countries, both sides of the border are taking a look at. And that's your travel news for today. I try to use a little kindness with Mark, but it sometimes it just doesn't seem to work. I don't know. He's hey, such hey. a he's just such a grumpy guy. <laughs> anyway, Mark, I know uh, we teased this a little bit earlier in the program, and we're, we're here to talk about, you know, here the hospitality industry, uh, as we can see just around us locally, is uh, is shorthanded. Uh, you know, I try to be as patient as I can, but, you know, even then I have to bite my, bite my lip and I say, well, I understand that things are going to take a little bit longer, but can't you just hurry it up? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, anything from fast food restaurants up to five-star hotels. Um, everybody will tell you that they're, uh, they're a little short of help. And the problem is that the other part of the issue is that a lot of the people who have been hired by the hospitality industry have no experience at all, may not be what you would call a people person, you know, somebody who enjoys – meeting people and being conversational and stuff like that. And so their their tempers tend to go a little quicker and they tend to be a little short with people a little bit more often. And so it just really, I see this because I travel with groups of people all over the place and I travel by myself as I've done all of this week. And I just have an observation to share. And, and that is that I see a lot of situations, um, particularly this happens in restaurants, it seems like, where, you know, things don't go perfectly and people get a little bit upset with the server and the server's not experienced and then the whole situation goes downhill from there. And sometimes you can observe that, and in my own personal experience, if you had taken a little bit different approach to the whole thing, uh, it probably would have had a much happier ending. One thing that I do, and and I'm realizing, prefacing this with the fact that tipping in our society has gotten completely out of control but 
sometimes you would like to say thank you to somebody in a nice way, and it isn't always somebody that falls into that to-be-tipped category. So one thing I do is share with my tour directors and carry myself a few $10 Starbucks gift cards because if somebody does something nice for me in a situation that, uh, you know, really uh, flashing a $5 bill or a $10 bill might not be appropriate, one of those Starbucks gift cards will go a long way because almost everybody goes to Starbucks and if they don't, they know somebody who does. So that's something that I use as kind of a, a universal thing. I also... I'm a heavy believer in tipping housekeepers at hotels. Um, there, I saw an online discussion recently, Tom, where, boy, it was hot and heavy. There were a lot of comments, people saying, well, you know, if hotels paid their staff what mm-hmm. they should, why, we wouldn't have to help supplement their incomes and all no. of that stuff. And I, it's a valid point, right? You Well, pretty much, yeah. I think everybody knows since the dawn of time that these people are uh, on the, the lowest paid category uh, of employees. Uh, and uh, so this this whole thought about that the the hotels and the owners and so forth are, are going to pay them a decent wage, it, forget about it, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great point, but it hasn't happened yet. So I, I, are, are we... Are we allowing hotels and motels to underpay housekeepers because they know that it's a tipped, that the housekeepers are going to get some tips? Well, um, uh, we've underpaid waiters and waitresses and servers in restaurants for I don't know how long well, uh, because we know that they get tips. Yeah, yes, to stop tipping isn't going to make them start paying these people more money. No, no, it, it isn't. It's it's a bigger a bigger issue than that. But anyway, in the kindness department, um, I, I think, and in the karma department, when you're traveling, housekeepers are a good place to leave a few bucks. You'll leave ten or fifteen or twenty dollars um, gratuity for a meal, depending on how many people are in your party and where you're eating at. A couple of three bucks on the bed for the housekeeper is not going to make anybody go broke. Um, another thing is that uh, notice little things, recognize good service. When you get it, and it, because this isn't just about tipping. If if the server, you go into the restaurant and the server says, how many in your party? And you say two. And the server says, gee, there's a nice table over by the window. Would you like that one? Um, if you looked them right in the eye and said thank you when they seated you, um, you might make that person's day just a little bit brighter. You might also make it a little easier for the next person to get the window table. Um, so it's it's not always about money. Sometimes it's just recognizing good service. If someone does something nice for you, you're checking into a hotel, into a restaurant, you go into a store on the road, a service station or something like that, and you've got a question and somebody is kind enough to spend a couple of minutes and explain to you, uh, yeah, the GPS says that that place is a mile and a half up the road, but actually it's on the other side of the road now and three doors down. And you wouldn't have known that if the person hadn't taken the time to explain it to you. And and really, it just comes that sometimes it comes down to don't be an ass. You know, you can be <laughs> a nice person. Uh, you can be you can get angry at somebody and not explode at them, especially if you sense that this is a person who really can't help you. Um, they really can't fix the problem. If it's a server, they brought what the kitchen fixed out to you. Um, you could ask them to take it back to the kitchen and, and get it fixed or have it done right. But most likely, in many cases, it's not the server's fault. So be careful when you're out on the road. I'm kind of a believer in good karma 
when you're traveling. Uh, I think that the nicer you are to people along the way that, you know, that will tend to come back to you at some point in time. Good point. Good point. I, I believe in the karma as well. And uh, it's just uh, it's just common courtesy. It, perhaps some of the uh, some folks just uh, never really learned that along the way. Uh, you know, taking it from the standpoint of a, of a server, a good server has to be like a good salesperson in a lot of ways, meaning that if you're in sales, you're going to get a lot of no. No, I'm not interested mm-hmm. in what you have to say. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And a good salesperson looks at that as in his incentive, because sooner or later, somebody's going to say yes, and you're going to do well. But you got to put up with a lot of no's. And in the uh, hospitality industry, you're going to put up with a lot of jerks along the way. Uh, but I think well, your, and, your advice is well put, Mark. A little kindness will go a long ways. Well, and, and if you, you you just you'll be surprised at the number of things that if you just approach things a little bit differently and listen, we're, we're all paying a lot more money for things now, uh, hotels, airfares, restaurants, everything. So it's easy to say, well, you know, I mean, this costs 30 percent more than it used to. Damn it. Get it right. Uh, but sometimes a little different approach can can give you better results. All right, we are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Special guest today on the program, Gino DeCaro, spokesperson, Wine Institute, which educates the public about California's wine industry, and that's exactly what we're going to do today on the program. Gino, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thank you, Mark and Tom. So happy to be here with you and your listeners today. Gino, the uh, the Wine Institute is responsible for promoting the wineries, their products, and a whole host of special events. You have a month coming up here with a lot of special events, and these are not just in Napa, but rather in winery locations all over Northern California. Tell us a little bit about it. Thank you so much. Yes, April is certainly 12th annual uh, Down to Earth Month, where dozens of uh, wineries celebrate um, our California's leadership in wine growing sustainability. And, and it's just great for travelers because there are events, like you said, all over the state of California, certainly in Northern California. And most of uh, your listeners might think that, that um, uh, all the wineries are in Napa and Sonoma. They are. They're not. For instance, El Dorado County. Uh, has the great out there event in uh, El Dorado and, and Amador, where there's about 20 participating wineries. You buy a, a pass for, I think, 25 to, to $30, and you have access to um, all the vintners, food pairings, et cetera. And it's just a, it's a great way for um, people to get outside of Napa and Sonoma and um, see some great wineries and taste some beautiful, sustainable wines. Now, Gino, for a $25, $30 ticket, um, is this mostly wine tasting, uh, wine and food sampling? Tell, give me an idea of what people, what, what they could expect if they attended this event. Yeah, great question. One of the best parts about this is it's a downtime for a lot of these wineries. So often the winemaker will actually be uh, present to either discuss the wines that are being tasted, discuss sustainability efforts that are, uh, that are going on at these particular wineries, and many of them have uh, chefs on hand to make uh, perfectly uh, perfectly paired meals for the wines that they are providing their um, their audience. Now, April is Down to Earth Month for California wines. Um, what does that What does Down to Earth Month mean? And you're also talking a little bit about sustainability there. So I'm I'm guessing these two things are tied together. 
Absolutely. You know, California's long been a leader in sustainable winemaking, and um, most people don't know that about 80% of California wines are certified sustainable. We've actually seen a 118% increase in the last five years in certified vineyards, and the practices that they're doing are all sorts of different things. They're related to energy, water, healthy soils, regenerative, regenerative uh, farming, and uh, this is our industry's chance to show off everything they've done and how that produces uh, presents itself in a glass of, of California wine. Um, I, I recently went to a, a travel media conference and someone said, you know, it's not one thing for travelers to go experience something and taste wine, but now they need to be seen. So now all these, especially some of the younger travelers, can go get some education on sustainability, drink a beautiful wine, and take a beautiful picture in a beautiful atmosphere from Lodi to Temecula to Napa to Sonoma to Livermore, everywhere. There is a whole host of down-to-earth month activities at wineries and special events at TravelGuysRadio.com. We will have a link to as many of them as we can find links to. Tell us a little bit about some things that are going on down in the in, in what most folks from Cal, from Sacramento area would consider the wine country down in the Calistoga and Napa area. Um, well, there's, uh, for instance, uh, one of our green metal sustainable um, sustainable uh, metal winners, um, uh, Cooper Garrett, over in Saratoga, is doing eco tours through their vineyard and in fact that's one where they promise that the uh, actual winemaker and owner will be taking his visitors through um through the winery and really explaining all they've done over the years to um to get their sustainable certification and of course their wines are just uh, absolutely spectacular i've had them had them myself and they're uh, they're just wonderful if you're just joining us, our special guest is Gino DeCaro, spokesperson for Wine Institute. And we're talking about the California Wines Down to Earth Month, their 12th annual. Uh, Gino, you, I, I see on your press release here of the 30 events that, that's going on, they have something called a, a Eco Hikes of Vineyards. Tell me what that is. Yes, and often that's where um, the uh, winemaker him or herself will uh, take the, take your listeners through um, through their vineyard, explain uh, whether they're going through dry farming on their vineyards and how that works and how that manifests in uh, a beautiful grape and, and flavor profile. They might discuss um, how they're getting to 100% um, uh, net neutral carbon with um, solar power and other uh, energy um, innovations. They might be talking about some of their uh, regenerative um, farming and healthy soils through biochar where they're uh, burning biomass to create energy and, and um, create a healthier soil. There's all sorts of things that um, most often a wine drinker doesn't quite know and understand that goes into the, the winemaking itself. And those eco hikes allow a winemaker to really get into the dirt, get into the soil, and the vines themselves, and show them how these things work. Gino, before we let you go here, is there anything else that our listeners should know about the Wine Institute? Is there any other jobs that you perform that are integral to the wine industry that our listeners should should be aware of? Thank you. Well, we represent uh, a large majority of the 4,800 wineries in, um, in California, and uh, we've represented them since uh, 1918. And the, the wine industry itself is strong. Our exports uh, internationally are, are um, impressive coming out of the pandemic. And uh, there's nothing but growth in this industry. And, and uh, we hope that everyone will take an opportunity to 
celebrate this great industry, celebrate the 400,000 jobs, and um, enjoy a nice glass of California wine with a, a nicely paired meal in April. April is Down to Earth Month, where wineries all over California celebrate their global leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational consumer events. That's what it says in the press release. It certainly sounds that way. And gosh, no matter where you live in the KFPK listening area, there is an event for you. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, we will put links to the Wine Institute and to many of these special April is Down to Earth Month events so that you can go out and sample and find yourself a wine that you didn't even know exist. Find a new favorite. Thank you, Gino, for your time today. Thank you so much, Mark and Tom. Appreciate it. So lots of special events for those of you who like wines and, wow, the environmental hikes and all of that kind of jazz. Maybe a chance to to meet somebody who actually makes wine. That just really sounds sounds kind of cool. Anyway, there are a lot of links. Uh, we put a couple of them at TravelGuysRadio.com, and those links will take you to other links so that you can attend some of these special events or be a part of Down to Earth Month at California Wineries. As we mentioned earlier, Mark has been on the road for the last week or more uh, to Cheyenne and to Honolulu. We're going to talk about where he's been, what he's learned, and share some some travel tips for both with you. I'm here in Sacramento in my little studio, and Mark is in Honolulu. Uh, you betcha. Gear, gearing up with uh, some of his travelers, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But right now, let's begin at the beginning of your trip earlier this week. Mark, you you headed to Cheyenne for, uh, for what? Well, uh, it was a National Tour Association gathering. A whole bunch of tour operators get together and share ideas about cool places to take people and what places not to take people, what places are more friendly and <laughs> what places are, are less friendly. Well, right now, you know, normally, Tom, in the travel industry, in, in my 40-plus years in it, uh, most restaurants, hotels, airlines, attractions um, are always glad to see groups of people because that's a whole bunch of people arriving together. And you can service them all together and make more money in less time. But with business at most travel entities being so good since uh, COVID wound down, it has created a different sort of of dynamic. And uh, in some cases, uh, some hotels and restaurants and stuff are telling us, eh, not so much. We don't really need your business uh, it's a little bit of an issue to set up things for a group. So, yeah, we have enough people walking in the door. So it's uh, good for us all to get together and kind of share how to work things out. Cheyenne, what an interesting place. I, I've been to Cheyenne before, Tom, but I confess to you, I haven't been there for about 20 years. Have you been? Have you ever done any travel in Wyoming? I have not. Uh, no, I've seen lots of pictures. It looks like uh, a great place to be a cowboy. Uh, it def- if you're if you're looking for cowboys, Wyoming is definitely and cowgirls. Wyoming is definitely the place to go. They of course have a great big celebration in the middle of the summer. They're called Frontier Days, which is uh, a big deal in Wyoming. I tell you how big of a deal. Wyoming is the least populated state in the union at a little over half a million people, five hundred and sixty thousand, I think, which is roughly the number of people who come to Cheyenne over ten days for the annual Frontier Days celebration. Wow. So they don't all come on the same day, but nonetheless, uh, big rodeo, lots of uh, doings around town and stuff like that. So 
if you of course you're going to pay you know higher hotel prices and things like that because there's going to be a lot of people there there are cheyenne we were there in late march left uh on yesterday on april fool's day and it was a little cold weather's weather changes really quickly out on the plains not just in cheyenne but in any of those of those places but the things that resonated with me with cheyenne really nice people i mean really nice people um there are a lot of little monuments in town we went to some of them in the course of our stay because we had events meals and and such there but there's a gorgeous train station in cheyenne if you are a train fan uh they have an old time theater there called the lincoln theater that they've done a great job of restoring if you're a hiker there are scads of hiking trails into the mountains uh, you remember an old uh, broadcaster named Kurt Gowdy? Sure. From many years ago. Well, um, that's his home area. There is a state park named after him there. Um, wonderful hiking there. Uh, Cheyenne's a really historical city uh, and has some ties to Sacramento because we are the terminus of two transportation entities from the 1800s, the Pony Express, which moved the mail across the country for about a year and a half, and then, of course, the Transcontinental Railroad. Um, both of those pass through Cheyenne. Uh, in addition, another uh, travel monument, the, the old Lincoln Highway, which runs from Times Square to San Francisco and runs through Sacramento on a couple of different alignments, also uh, passes through Cheyenne, Lincoln Way. Um, it's just a it's a beautiful little town, and there are a lot of things to do in and around Cheyenne, I mean, you could go and spend a week there, Cheyenne and Laramie and Rollins and Casper. Uh, south of Rawlings, there's this wonderful little historical town called Saratoga, which is really a throwback. Actually, Cheyenne, downtown Cheyenne, Tom, is kind of a throwback, too, because it's just uh, the word quaint, historic, um, Old West. If you're looking for or you enjoy those kinds of places, then you're going to love downtown Cheyenne. Oh, and I got to tell you about a, a great place if you have a sweet tooth <laughs> in downtown Cheyenne. There's a place called Mary's Mountain Cookies. Oh, cookies. And, I thought for sure you were going to go ice cream on me here, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, Mary's has ice cream also. <laughs> I didn't get over to that side of the store because the cookies were so everything from Key Lime to uh, old favorites like chocolate chip and oatmeal raisin and stuff like that. But uh, my goodness, if I lived in that town, I'd be as big as a house. Um, <laughs> Mary's, if you go to Cheyenne, and I, I, someone told me that there are Mary's Mountain Cookies in other cities in uh -huh. Wyoming, yeah. um, which would be a, a great reason to go and spend extended time in, in Wyoming, in my humble opinion, uh, Mary's Cookies. Anyway, Wyoming prices will make you smile. Uh, Wyoming it, it is, uh, you will think, my God, especially if you live in California and you're used to paying the prices that we pay here, uh, you go on the road, on a road trip to Wyoming, you will truly think that you have stepped back in time because the prices there are a lot lower than what we see in California or in, frankly, in most, most destinations. Okay. Yes, well, with, with that being said, uh, we talked the other day about the new crumble cookie. Uh, and uh -huh. uh, if you would go to a Kings game and the opposing uh, team's uh, player misses two free throws, you got a free crum crumble cookie. Well, we did, and I did, and uh, they were absolutely magnificent. 
they are five dollars each. Now let's let's <laughs> compare that to let's compare that to Mary's. You've had the crumble. Uh, how do they yeah. compare? Both. I would say they are both very high quality cookies. We're close co- talking about Crumble, which uh, has a store over there at Zinfandel and uh, Highway 50 uh, in in Rancho Cordova. I but let me just tell you, and this proves <laughs> what I was just saying. You said the the Crumble cookies are five dollars a piece. Well, yes. Mary's Mountain cookies, which are very similar in size and I'm sure in calories, um, are three fifty. Well, there you so go. So there you go. You can <laughs> you can eat cookies for a third less. Um, if you're in in Wyoming, a um, couple of, of uh, other tips here. We stayed at a place called Little America for our conference. There are several of those in Wyoming, and there's actually one in Flagstaff uh, and one, another one in Salt Lake City. It's a small chain. Um, it's an older chain. A lot of their buildings are uh, it's not an enclosed hotel. So you could be in an outbuilding. So the only thing I would say is it was an, a nice hotel. People were wonderful there. Um, if you go in the winter time, uh, you may have to do a little walking in between buildings, and it might be a little bit cold, like it was this week. Yeah, sounds more um, like there a are mo- a lot of hotel choices. Yeah, it sounds more like a go motel ahead. than a hotel. Well, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of like an upscale motel, I would say, um, because they have convention facilities and a, a full service restaurant and the like. There are a lot of motel choices in the Cheyenne area uh mostly mid-range so uh they, they don't it's not a marriott hilton sort of town but you see marriott brands and hilton brands uh both in cheyenne and in other cities there uh, you could make a great week-long road trip out of uh cheyenne and going to laramie and casper and rollins and some of the spots in between uh cheyenne is to give you an idea about an hour and 45 minute drive from the denver airport um, there are two flights a day on United in and out of Cheyenne, which is what I did on little bitty tiny planes. Um, and Cheyenne is kind of a windy spot, so and the weather changes there pretty quickly. So be careful about flying into Cheyenne if you have absolutely positively have to be there on a certain day. Um, you can rent a car in Denver and make your road trip go from there. Uh, but there is air service into Cheyenne, nice little airport. Uh, did I mention the people are really nice there? I, I just was incredibly impressed by uh, <laughs> the way I was treated and how polite everyone was. And, uh, of course, uh, I was in a group of people who, uh, tour operators, were potentially can bring business to town. So I guess there's maybe a little extra reason to be nice um, to folks that represent business. But I got the feeling that that's just the way people are in that town. So... I don't agree with all of the political positions that um, are popular in Cheyenne, but uh, when you're traveling, you learn that if you don't discuss politics, you probably will be a lot better off. There you go. Well, all right. Hey, uh, we're, uh, we've got uh, about four more minutes left. Let's move on to uh, where you are right now. From Cheyenne, you went uh, to Denver, and then from Denver to uh, Honolulu? To Honolulu, yes. In in one twelve hour period, I ditched the winter coat for short pants. Um, <laughs> literally yesterday, um, eight hours from Denver to Honolulu. In case you're you're wondering, um, I'm here with a sports leisure vacations group for a few days. We're staying in Waikiki. After they get here, that's where we'll go tonight. Um, we're using the Courtyard Hotel in Waikiki, which I find is a really moderate um, and well positioned choice. It's got a great location. It's a really nice courtyard. Uh, 
So I think just the uh, short notch away from the Marriott, which is about six blocks away, further down towards Diamond Head. So the courtyard, I think, has a better location, frankly. If you want, if you're one of those folks who likes to enjoy uh, downtown Waikiki by walking around, then it's a great place for that. While our group is here. Um, this afternoon, we'll be going to the Bishop Museum, which is a historical museum here in town. And if you're into history, uh, besides the Bishop Museum, there's another spot you might want to check out, which is called Iolani Palace. Um, Hawaii once was governed by royalty, and uh, some of that royalty and some of their history is on display at Iolani Palace. Of course, uh, when we stay on the Big Island, which is where the folks I'm meeting today are coming from after having spent a week over there, they stay at the King Kamehameha Hotel, which I think is a great location. If you're visiting the Big Island, there are fancier and more expensive resorts up island on the Big Island, up the West Coast. But uh, the King Cam, as it's known, is right in town there. Anyway, back to um, Honolulu. One of the things that we're going to do here that's kind of fun that you probably won't be able to do on your own here is we're going to do a city tour of Honolulu, but our city tour has a little bit of a twist. You may remember that uh, President Obama spent much of his childhood here growing up uh, in, uh, on the island of Oahu in Honolulu, uh, lived with his mother in a very modest apartment building, and his first job was at a Baskin-Robbins, uh, and we visit some of those landmarks and the place that he went to school uh, here in town and uh, take people to some of the places and try to show them a little bit about the life of a young man who would later become uh, the first man of color to become president of the United States. So that's kind of a, of a highlight. Again, remember what we talked about before, you're traveling. So you take politics and you kind of set those to, us to the side. Um, this is a chance to learn about the life of a man who later became president. And of course, uh, we will take folks to Pearl Harbor. Uh, to see the Arizona Memorial there. I, on this trip, Tom, we gave people a choice of places to visit, Pearl Harbor or the uh, Polynesian Cultural Center, which is a big attraction here on the island where they recreate uh, Polynesian villages for some of the cultures that you don't see when you come to Hawaii but are Hawaii's neighbors, although many of them far away. So um, that will be part of... What some folks will do tomorrow, go to the Polynesian Cultural Center. It's a commercial attraction. It's not inexpensive. But if you come to the islands and you come to Oahu, it's one that I highly recommend. It's very, very, very well done. And uh, like I said, it's not inexpensive. They have a luau in the evening or you can go during the day and visit some of these recreation of Polynesian villages, which uh, makes for a great way to visit the island. Outstanding boy, I'll tell you, from uh, from howdy and you all to uh, aloha, aloha. <laughs> well, you, you have a wonderful time with all of your travelers there. I, I know when folks travel with Sports Leisure Vacation, they uh, they always come home uh, with lots of stories and, and lots of dreams that have come true. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Travel Guys, my friends. Mark, you get the final word here. Well, hello once again from Honolulu with the travel guys and goodbye from Honolulu and remember dance like nobody's watching stay well my friends see you next week Sunday 3 o'clock here on the travel guys